well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you are uh, with us on the program today. Coming up, we're going to talk about the uh, last desperate attempt by gun control advocates to keep Judge Amy Coney Barrett off of the bench, and it is a desperate attempt. Uh, before we get to that, though, let, let's talk just a, a moment or two about the uh, final presidential debate last night. Uh, once again, not a single question about gun control. In a year in which two things here that I think you need to keep in mind, because we went through both presidential debates. We went through a town hall with Joe Biden, a town hall with uh, Donald Trump, a vice presidential debate featuring Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. And gun control didn't come up once in a year in which record high gun sales have been reported every month since March. In a year in which more than 5 million Americans have become gun owners for the very first time. And in a campaign in which one of the major presidential candidates has called for the biggest ban on legally owned items since prohibition. Not a single question was asked of Joe Biden or Donald Trump about Biden's gun ban plan, about the Second Amendment, about those millions of new gun owners. Not a single solitary question. It's, 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 it's unreal. It is such an abdication of the media's job. Now, look, it's become patently obvious over the uh, last few months. So the media is engaged in not just the normal bias that we see on a daily basis, but that so many members of the media uh, view this election as an existential one, that they are willing to violate their norms, they are willing to violate their ethics, they are willing to violate their sense of uh, journalistic credibility in order to ignore stories that they feel will be hurtful to Joe Biden, and to amplify stories that they feel are going to be harmful to the Trump campaign. We've seen this. We're watching this take place right now. And the gun control issue is another example of this. By refusing to bring up Joe Biden's ban on so-called assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, the media is failing to uh, bring to light an issue that is going to impact Tens of millions of legal gun owners if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win on Election Day or in the days afterwards. Because it's estimated that not only do we have about 18 million or so AR-15s that are in private hands, but we've got millions more firearms that uh, are legally owned that Joe Biden would all of a sudden classify as assault weapons. It's estimated that more than half of the ammunition magazines in this country are quote-unquote large-capacity magazines. And again, tens of millions of gun owners, uh, just because of the magazines that they own, would run afoul of Joe Biden's gun plan, which requires existing gun owners to either hand over their so-called assault weapons and large capacity magazines to the government for some undefined stipend. They can pay $200 per firearm and magazine to register those items under the National Firearms Act, and they'll be allowed to keep them until Democrats say otherwise. 
or they can simply keep the guns and the uh, ammunition magazines that they currently own, and Joe Biden will turn them into felons. And if they are caught with those guns or magazines, they're convicted in federal court, they could face 10 years in a federal prison and the possibility of a $250,000 fine. I think that's worth talking about. I mean, Joe Biden brought up his uh, support for criminal justice reform. We need to get people out of prison, he said. His plan would do more to turn Americans into criminals than any other proposal that I've heard from uh, either candidate. His gun ban plan alone have has the potential to fill up prisons if it's enforced. Now, Joe Biden doesn't really want to talk about how his law might be enforced. Doesn't really want to talk about his law at all, as a matter of fact. Either do gun control groups, which is kind of amazing. You've got gun control groups who are on the air right now, running ads, promoting pro-gun control candidates, but not for their gun control record. Instead, they're talking about things like energy and climate change rather than their issue. Because, again, I think they know that, uh, that this year, not really a great time to bring up the most anti-gun agenda of any presidential candidate in American history. Probably not going to get a lot of undecided and swing voters to take the plunge and vote for Joe Biden if he's telling them, hey, you know, uh, by the way, I, I, I think you should go to prison if you don't register your firearms or hand them over to the government. Uh, in addition, by the way, to Biden's ban for uh, so-called assault weapons and large-capacity magazines, Biden also wants to ban the online sale of ammunition, online sale of gun parts. He wants to repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act uh, and allow for gun control groups to sue firearms manufacturers to put them out of business, seeking to hold them accountable for the third-party actions of criminals, uh, wants to um, give grants to states around the country so they can impose restrictive and subjective gun licensing laws like they have in Massachusetts, where, you know, you go and you apply for your license and your local police chief can look and say, all right, well, you, know, you passed the background check, but uh, and your, even your character references check out because, yes, you have to provide character references. But you know what? After talking with you, I just don't think you're suitable to own a gun. And that's it. Your right to own a gun has been denied because a police chief somewhere says you're not suitable. Those are the types of provisions that Joe Biden wants to put into place all across the country. And again, it is shameful that the media has failed to ask him about this during the debates, during town halls, and during the rare uh, press conferences and press availabilities that Biden has held over the past couple of months. Shameful. Now, I'll tell you what, the gun control groups, though, they are um, they're, they're actually talking about gun control. Well, not really. They're 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 <laughs> they're obliquely referencing gun control, but they're really talking about the NRA today. Senator Richard Blumenthal, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, and the uh, gun groups Giffords, Everytown, Brady, uh, all holding a, a press conference today, attacking the NRA for quote efforts to reshape the judiciary. Which, by the way, these same groups and individuals are trying to do as well. Uh, in fact, by by trying to stop the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, these groups are trying to reshape the judiciary. Uh, but this is the absurd arguments that gun control groups are left with uh, these days. So let's get into this. This is from uh, the Hill newspaper. Uh, they don't link, by the way, to this report, but they say that um, Blumenthal has a new report 
detailing the gun industry's funding of judges in lower courts and now for Barrett. Well, first of all, by the way, the NRA is not the gun industry. I mean, that, 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 that's a problem in and of itself. The gun industry is represented by the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Five million plus gun owners are represented by the National Rifle Association. So, two different entities. Not that the gun control groups care. Uh, Blumenthal said in a press call on Friday, I wasn't alerted, by the way, to this press call. I would have loved to have been a part of it. He said, quote, this report shows how beholden Republicans have become to the NRA, how corrupt the funneling of money has become, how there's coordination between consultants and media groups used by the NRA and Republican candidates, and especially the Trump campaign. We believe that the public should be aware of this alarming campaign to capture the courts and the effect it will have on American justice. All right, so, um, you know, just to point out here, Democrats are perhaps even more beholden to gun control groups like Everytown for Gun Safety because Everytown for Gun Safety and their sugar daddy donor, Michael Bloomberg, spending way more money than the NRA is in this election cycle. And they spent more money than the NRA in the last election cycle, too. Michael Bloomberg is spending $100 million just in Florida to try to get Joe Biden the presidency. In 2016, the NRA spent $60 million across the country. Yeah. But Blumenthal's only upset about dark money when he doesn't like the issue. Dark money is just fine if it's going to groups that he likes and candidates that he supports. Oh, he's fine with that. The coordination between consultants and media groups used by the NRA and Republican candidates, and especially the Trump campaign. That type of coordination takes place on the left, too. You know, it's a, it's a fairly small world, actually, within the gun control movement, and there's a lot of movement between the gun control groups and political candidates. For example, in New Mexico, the campaign manager for uh, Congresswoman uh, Torres Small, former staffer at Every Time for Gun Safety, and Tora Smalls out there, you know, campaigning as a pro-Second Amendment Democrat while not talking about the fact that her campaign manager wants things like gun bans and supports the Joe Biden gun ban agenda. This type of stuff happens all the time. Now, Blumenthal says that uh, his report found that the NRA has funneled money from a collection of dark money groups, has blocked state legislation and legislation in Congress for gun safety and launched a campaign to strike down legislation through the courts. The Hill really tries to make this sound scary. What he's talking about is that the NRA has lobbied to oppose gun control measures at both the state and federal level, just as gun control groups have lobbied to block pro-gun measures at the state and local level, or the uh, state and federal level. And, uh, quote, launching a campaign to strike down legislation through the courts. In other words, using our rights that we have as Americans to challenge the constitutionality of gun laws. Oh my, how horrible is that? Uh, Blumenthal didn't bring up the fact, by the way, that every town for gun safety has its own in-house law firm. Giffords has its own in-house law firm. Brady Campaign has been working with states and uh, localities around the country, offering them pro bono legal defense uh, when their gun control laws are challenged. Again, everything that Blumenthal accuses the NRA of doing, gun control groups are doing too. This is, I got to tell you, the state of the uh, debate over gun control in this country, 
really leaves a lot to be desired. In large part because gun control groups don't want to talk about the specifics of their policies. Anti-gun politicians like Richard Blumenthal don't want to talk about the specifics of his anti-gun legislation. Because they know that the more Americans learn about the specifics of their proposal, the less common sense they sound, and the more Americans realize this doesn't have anything to do with gun safety. This is all about gun control. And today's event, really not even about that. Today's event was really about Amy Coney Barrett. And as I said, a a last-ditch, desperate attempt to uh, keep Amy Coney Barrett off of the Supreme Court. It's not going to happen, by the way. Uh, I think she's going to get confirmed next week. The Hill reports the uh, senators discussed how Democratic initiatives towards gun safety, meaning their gun control proposals, would be threatened by Barrett on the Supreme Court. Blumenthal said that Barrett, along with other conservative justices in the court, will take on cases that support Second Amendment rights. Again, so what? We actually saw that earlier this year when the court took up the New York City gun case that the court then declared was moot because New York City had changed this law. Um, Blumenthal said they will, in fact, move to take the next case that comes along if it suits the purposes of the NRA and the dark money special interests that are funding the NRA. The ruthless effort, he says, to reshape the federal courts at every level must be stopped. Part of it will come in November, we hope. The ruthless effort to reshape the federal courts. Filling vacancies on the federal bench, it's not particularly ruthless. It's what presidents are supposed to do. And I don't know. I Listen, I'm hopeful that the Supreme Court is going to agree to hear a Second Amendment case. We've heard from Justices Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh that it's time for the court to hear a Second Amendment case, but they haven't done so. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that with Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court that, uh, yeah, some of these cases will start moving. But I think what really concerns... Senator Blumenthal, Senator Whitehouse, and these gun control groups is the fact that Amy Coney Barrett takes the Second Amendment seriously. That's what really terrifies them. That she approaches the right to keep and bear arms as a fundamental right, as an individual right, which she talked about during her confirmation hearings, and a right that is not an anachronism a right that cannot simply be ignored by politicians like Richard Blumenthal or Sheldon Whitehouse or Chuck Schumer or Dianne Feinstein or Nancy Pelosi. And that's what terrifies them, because for too long, these gun control groups have relied on politicians who don't give a damn about the Constitution. And they've relied on judges who have taken a very deferential approach to gun control legislation, basically saying, well, you know, um, yeah, even if your Second Amendment rights are implicated by this gun control law, that's okay. Because the government has said that the reason why they put this gun control law in place is because of a a public safety interest, and that's a legitimate uh, government interest, and so therefore the gun control law is upheld. That nullifies the Second Amendment. That turns it into a dead letter. And that, I think, is really what has uh, gun control groups and uh, anti-gun politicians like Senator Blumenthal freaked out, that those days may be coming to an end, and that they're going to have to actually come up with a a better argument than, well, because we want it, in terms of upholding their gun control laws. So, 
yeah. Oh, Shannon Watts, by the way. She was at this uh, meeting as well, by the way. Uh, noting Barrett's position that convicted felons should not all be fully barred from owning guns. Calling Barrett, quote, a dream come true Supreme Court justice for the NRA. Well, I listen, I hope that that's the case. I do. I don't know that that's the case. Um, but I do know that Judge Barrett's dissenting opinion in Cantor versus Barr, which we've talked about here in this program before, again, it, it indicates the seriousness with which she treats the right to keep and bear arms. And I, frankly, I mean, unless, again, you're just somebody who doesn't give a damn about the process and you just want your way, I would think that you would want Supreme Court justices who take issues seriously, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. But I, I guess that doesn't hold true for uh, folks like Richard Blumenthal and Sheldon Whitehouse and Every Town for Gun Safety and Moms Demand Action and March for Our Lives and Brady and Giffords and the uh, rest of the uh, gun ban bunch. All right, let's turn our attention now to our uh, good deed of the day, our armed citizen story, our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a, a story out of Cleveland, Ohio, where a man's been charged in a uh, has been charged with murder. Uh, in a shooting outside of a pizzeria following a car crash. This happened uh, in the early morning hours of, I think this was Wednesday morning, about 2.30. Harold Williams III, accused of getting into a car accident with 24-year-old Angelo Catala. The uh, two then pulled their cars into the uh, parking lot of Nunzio's Pizzeria, started arguing. That is when uh, Williams is accused of pulling out a gun and shooting Catala in the abdomen. Actually fired multiple shots. One of them went through uh, an apartment window above the pizzeria. An employee of the uh, pizza shop called 911. When authorities arrived, they found Katala in the uh, back of the restaurant. Uh, he was taken to a local hospital. He passed away from his injuries about three hours later. Police issued a warrant for William's arrest. He's not yet in custody. But as it turns out, he's known to law enforcement. He was convicted back in 2018 of third-degree felony robbery. And he was sentenced to two years probation. Yep, just two years probation. No prison time. He then violated the terms of his probation, according to the Cleveland Plains Dealer. And a judge then ordered him to go to a halfway house. Yeah, just live at a halfway house for a little while. You don't have to go to prison. It's fine. Just stay at the halfway house. Well, Williams didn't. He left the facility in 2019. A warrant was issued for his arrest, apparently never picked up on it. Also uh, served an 18-month prison sentence in 2013 for a robbery and uh, assault on a uh, police canine unit in uh, Parma, Ohio. But the uh, 2018 case, I think, is the, the, the more interesting one, since that is more recent. Uh, again, it was his second robbery conviction. Actually got less time than the first robbery conviction. And when he violated the terms of his probation, Again, another slap on the wrist. Sent to a halfway house instead of put behind bars. And here we are less than two years later. And Harold Williams III is now facing murder charges. Our uh, good deed, excuse me, we'll get to our good deed momentarily. Our uh, armed citizen story of the day. From Lincoln, Nebraska, where a mom was able to protect herself and her daughter from an intruder after uh, hiding in a closet. This was uh, Monday afternoon, about 3 p.m., 
The 32-year-old mother of three says that she was in her bedroom with her uh, three-year-old daughter. They just laid down, tried to take a nap, and all of a sudden she hears the bedroom door knob rattling. And uh, she said the door's difficult to open, but but she could hear somebody trying to get in. So she grabbed her daughter, ran to the closet, and that's when a guy walked into her bedroom. She said he sounded like an older man. She grabbed her pistol, which was in the closet, and she said when the man tried to open the closet door, was, uh, quote, speaking aggressively to her, she fired two shots through the door. The man took off. The police don't believe the uh, suspect was hit. They didn't find any blood there. They've not been able to make any arrests. Thankfully, however, um, the mom is okay. Her daughter is okay. And I don't think we can be confident that that would have been the case had she not been able to defend herself with a firearm. I'm certainly not confident. Got a stranger in the home who's, uh, you know, actually looking for her at that point, it sounds like speaking aggressively to her, so he knew that she was in the closet. That alone didn't cause the guy to turn and run. He wasn't like he was trying to break into an unoccupied home. No, he knew somebody was there, and he wanted to find him. Thankfully, she found her gun first. Finally today, our armed citizen story from uh, Wyoming, Michigan, where an off-duty officer in the right place at the right time to save a life. It was a... uh, Accident involving a car and a motorcycle, and both the uh, operator and the uh, passenger on the motorcycle suffered uh, injuries in this accident. The the uh, driver actually uh, suffered a major wound to his leg. Wyoming Police Sergeant Chris DeBoer was off duty, but he arrived on scene shortly after the uh, accident happened, and he was able to apply a tourniquet. Uh, to the leg of the motorcycle operator, likely saving the person's life, according to a Fox 17 in West Michigan. Motorcycle operator later taken to a local hospital. Uh, no word on the uh, latest status, but he was expected to survive his injuries. And in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing, Officer Chris DeBoer there in Wyoming, Michigan, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Get out there this weekend. Hopefully, uh, exercise your segment rights safely and responsibly. Don't forget to encourage every gun owner you know, your family members, your friends, vote. It is vitally important that we get out the vote this election season. Let's make sure that uh, gun control groups are still clinging to their desperate attempts to uh keep their gun control laws in place, ineffective and unconstitutional as they might be, instead of uh, them being on the offense after Election Day. Until we talk again, which should be Monday, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. 